grateful, Lord, for being able to be in the house, Lord, this morning to worship you. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to focus on the word today. Help us, Lord, to learn something today. And we thank you, Lord, that you brought us through and entered the new year. Lord, we pray, God, that uh, we would have some kind of new vision to serving you better and to love you more and to care for uh, your word and for others. Lord, I pray, that, Lord, that uh, from this uh, message, series of message, Lord, that you could help us, Lord, to uh, just become a better uh, Christian, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Got one more song. What's the song? 485. I don't know what happened to my song list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Revive us again. Revive us again. Number 485. <laughs>
chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, we'll just take a second here and then actually we'll take the whole service here, Philippians chapter 1, uh, yeah, Mike had to turn back home, uh, he got stuck halfway to car trouble so keep him in prayer and then uh, after church, this is unannounced, this is kind of a surprise, uh, Nathan has some food to be eaten, some hot food to be eaten back here. So everybody's welcome to come if you are a little bit hungry. And so he told me to tell you that you're welcome to come. It wasn't enough. It's not a potluck. This got a lot of food back over here. And so uh, if you don't eat, then they'll have to take it home. And they don't have any room. 
So you'll be helping them. So look at it like that, all right? After church. Okay, Philippians chapter 1. Look at that verse with me. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, this morning is a preparation message for the rest of January. I hope to cover several different issues that I think will be helpful to us. And uh, I've been longing to get to these issues, but I thought, you know, wait for the new year to get it going. And so I'll spend a lot of time on these issues. Um, raising kids that count, words that can build a marriage, faith for the family, when parents pray, marriages from heaven, Lessons from a dysfunctional family. I want to hear that one <laughs> about myself. Um, about men issues. Valor. How to handle temptation. Pornography. Having strong faith. Principles to fortify your faith. And other issues on faith. Walking with God, very important. Learning how to do that, how to walk with God. When faith seems to fail. Strength in time of crisis. And secrets of spiritual satisfaction. Those are some of the topics I'd like to cover in the next month. And I uh, hope I can get all done. So try to be here as much as you possibly can. 9.30 and 10.30, 10.45. And then if you can't be here sometime, of course, go online to catch some of that. But it's not as good as real life Technicolor, that's for sure. All right. Now, the, the theme is stand fast, striving together. And I'm emphasizing the church striving together as a body, as a unit, as a, as a, as a local church to work together to get something done personally. And uh, I think my motive is good and right, and it's not but for your benefit and for the health of the church. So I would like you to pray with me and for me as I give these messages. Uh, some of them are still in the works. They're not all complete yet. And I want to give messages that will be honoring to Christ and also helpful to you. So honoring to Christ and helpful to you is my motivation. And so Philippians 1.27 is the verse I've chosen for us to, to go through, to stand fast, be strong Christians. And to work together, strive together to be the kind of Christian God wants us to be. How many here would honestly say, don't have to raise your hands. You can honestly say, last year was a decent year. Last year was not so good. It began right. It kind of diminished a little bit. I meant to do better, but I kind of got, I lost my momentum going up the hill. And by the time the year was over, I really felt exhausted spiritually that could have been you or some of you could have been could have been consistently going through the new year or last year with consistency that's really unusual that's good though or maybe some of you feel like i'm glad the new year's here because this is a good time for me to start over again now that's me that's me i always feel like i don't like when the year comes to an end because it's a reflection of my failures I look back, oh, I should have done, I shouldn't have done. I feel like that. That's just my personality. But then I'm thinking, okay, I can't avoid the new year. I may as well face the new year with some kind of 
determination to do better than the last year. That's how I feel. I hope you feel the same way. I hope you want to do better as a Christian. I hope you want to strive together with what we learn and what we go through together. I hope you can stand stronger for Jesus Christ. And that's what I would like us to become. Stronger and stand a little bit better and to work together, strive together for the cause of Jesus Christ. None of us here are where we ought to be right now spiritually. Nobody here is where we ought to be. But we're moving forward in that direction. And that's the goal. That's the hope that we have. And I am talking like that because this year to me is a critical year. I think this year is like a make or break year in many people's lives. I think that we should just let it all go as far as our energy, our enthusiasm for being what we ought to be. Some of these things we know we should be working on already for years past. Some of these things, I feel like you know these things. It just hasn't happened. You just have, you haven't pulled the trigger yet. You're aiming, but you haven't, you've got it in the cross, but you haven't pulled the trigger yet. And uh, you, you've lost opportunities, but, but this year, let's just go ahead and make this year the year we pull the trigger. The year we do what we're supposed to do for Jesus Christ. And so having told you all of those preliminary remarks, I want you to come to Philippians chapter 1. Again, verse number 27. 127. Now, when Samuel does artwork, he's very proud. He shows me the picture. He says, Grandpa, look. He doesn't say, Grandpa, can I show you something? He just says, Grandpa, look. He sticks it in my face. That's what a kid does to you. Sticks in your face. Grandpa, look. I say, what? He says, look. I said, what is it? It could be a mountain scene at his level, at his age. Look. I said, what? What am I looking at? He says, look. And then he says this. Good, better, or best. That's what I tell him. He wants me to say, wow, that is so good. That's so great. I don't say that to him. I say, that's good, but it could get better. Eventually, it'll get the best you can do for this image. He does this. He drops his, he walks away, slumped shoulders down. I say, hey, come here, look. It's not bad for a kid. It's good. I haven't done that good when I was your age. He said, but it can get better. He doesn't like that part because it's gonna take some patience and some going through some, some self-discipline to do things the right way. I said, your problem is you're in a rush. You're in a hurry to get to the best. But you can't get to the best unless you work on the good and do better. There are some rules, some principles to follow, and your artwork is going to be great, but it's not there yet. So he comes back next week, another picture, eagle. And does this. What do you think? I say, good, but it can get better. I said, yes, it can. You know what it is for us, for you and me? We might have been doing good, but we can do better. One day we do our best. It's in prospect. So let's not be negative. Let's not be Scrooges and say, ah, I am what I am. Don't, don't give me this Popeye slogan. I am what I am. That's all that I am. That's what Popeye said, stupid Popeye. You don't even look right. Huge forearms, no biceps, big jaw, full of tobacco or spinach. What a fool. I am what I am. No, 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 no. You, you're not, you are, what you are is what you are, but God does not plan for you to stay what you are. He wants you to do good. He wants you to do better. And he wants you to be the best for him. Okay? Amen. So don't, don't, don't tell yourself, well, that's how I am. Men say this. That's how I am. The best way I am. 
Women are the ones who are supposed to change, men think. The man sits there. One big fat Buddha. She's trying to do right. Things aren't going right. And he just sits there like, what, what? He comes home, throws his clothes, dirty clothes. He, he tracks mud into the house. She's upset by that. She wants to keep the house clean. And he does all these ignorant things. And he says, what? You track mud into the house. Well, so clean it up. <laughs> nice guy. And then he messes mix in the kitchen. He doesn't shut the refrigerator door, doesn't shut the freezer door. He makes a big mess. In the bathroom, it's a big mess in the bathroom. Toothpaste, toothpaste, you know, uh, un, uncapped or something, and everything's a big mess. Towel thrown on the floor. He's a mess. And he says, what's wrong? She says, look at the mess you made. You know what he says? Well, that's how I am. Yeah, that's a real bad attitude to have when he can say to himself, sorry, I'll pick it up. Now, I did that to my wife a long time ago. I still do that sometimes. My bad habit as a single guy was coming into the house. We pick up our shoes in Hawaii. Pick up the shoes, walk in with my socks, pick up the socks. I used to put it on the counter, my socks on the counter. And then I'd go put it on the dining room table because it's there. It's a surface, it's a catch-all. And she would go, she would go. <sighs> I said, what? She, she doesn't talk. She goes mute, she does, she just points. I said, what? She's pointing to my socks. I said, what? I said, yeah. You wanna know what that is? That's socks. I know they're socks. What are your socks doing on the kitchen table? I said, because I took them off. <laughs> I'm being ignorant, man, you know, I'm being what I am. I am what I am and that's all that I am. It, it wasn't until a while before I began to realize I cannot be what I am. I have to be what is pleasing to my wife and, and so on. So this is where we are. This is where we're going to go. I want you to be pleasing to God more than anything else and not just stay what you are. He says in verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now, conversation is, is more than just what you say. Having a conversation with someone. A conversation in the New Testament is about your life which communicates a message. Your conversation, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Your life, he says, the life that you live should speak and tell a story and give a message and convey something about you, what kind of Christian that you are. So conversation is more than words. It is your action, it's your behavior because all of that speaks and it says something. You ever hear someone say, I don't hear what you're saying because you're, the way that you're living, to that effect. You say one thing, but you do another thing. So what you're saying sounds good, but you're doing something quite the opposite of what you're telling me to do. So don't do as I say. Uh, so how's it go? Don't, don't do as I... Do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. Do what I tell you to do. Don't look at how I do, because I'm not doing what I'm saying to do. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I don't help anybody to have someone say be this way and you do the opposite thing so the conversation that Paul talks about here your conversation is supposed to be becoming to the gospel of Christ that's a pretty high standard that is simply to tell you the Christian that your life how you live ought to be consistent with what you say 
Okay, I'm not consistent. I won't say anything. No, 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 no. You're supposed to say certain things, live a certain way, and be a certain way. He says the standards, the gospel of Christ, you're not supposed to do duplicity. Say one thing, live another way. That's not what you want to be. That's not what he says to be. Your conversation should be consistent to what the gospel is. When you hear the gospel of Christ, when you hear Jesus Christ, when you hear Bible, you think of certain words. You think of holy. You think of righteousness. You think of wholesome. You think of good. You think of right. You think of honest. You think of all these all these words to, to that comes to your mind. You think about the gospel or about Christ, which is all fair. Um, when I think of, and when you think of certain people, certain words, you think certain things, and that's fair. Now, I think of McDonald's. I think, yeah, I'll get the same thing no matter where I am, except in China. In China, it tastes different. Even the ice cream cone tastes different. It looks the same, but around the U.S., you can know one thing. You go to McDonald's, you get the same thing. Maybe it's sitting there the burner a little longer, it's a little more dry, but you get about the same thing. Uh, when you think about a Christian, you think about the gospel, you think about Jesus Christ, you think about a man who is righteous, you think about someone who is upstanding, you think of someone who's honest. Well, that's how you should think about things. And when you think about the word Christian, when people think about the word Christian, they think about a man, a woman who is honest, etc. So he says, live up to your name. Your words, your actions should be behavior that speaks well of you because you're following Christ. Let me tell you a sad story. You like good stories? I got some sad stories to tell you. I got so many sad stories besides good stories. My wife has a cousin, and she is now an adult, and she lived in North Carolina with her parents. Her dad was the deacon in a church, in the Baptist church in North Carolina. And he was a deacon for many years. Everyone in church respected him because he appeared to be a very decent man. But it came out to my mother-in-law, the mom of this cousin, that this man, this deacon of this church, this man was verbally abusive to her, the mom. And she had a little, they had a little girl, a daughter who was at the time 13. And um, in the car on the way to church, he was always, and she's in the backseat hearing and seeing all of this. At church, she sees him Hi there, brother so-and-so. I'm doing great. Well, praise God. He's got all the lingo, everything going on. So, so outwardly, what a great Christian man. And on the way home to church, he is, he is stern. He's cold. He's hard. There's no compassion in him. He's just like that. And then she's watching a lot. In the home, sometimes besides being verbally abusive, he was physically abusive to his wife. And she's watching all of this. She's 13. And she's absorbing all of this behavior. It's not becoming of a Christian. But she's watching that in the home, that in the car, and how he is in church. Whenever there's a religious, a church function, he's right there. He's always so bright and shiny. But she knows what's going to happen because of the pattern. Get to the car. Why did you say that to so-and-so? Why don't you ever say that again to so-and-so? I, I did never again or else. She hears all of these things. And then he keeps it in. He goes home at the table, get a snack after church Sunday night. And he is just mean as a toad. And she sees all of that. And then when he becomes violent, he tells her, go to bed. There's no if, ands, or but. It's just go to bed. And she has to go to bed. 
and she can hear from upstairs, they're arguing downstairs, and then she can only hear his voice. All of that's going on. You know what that is? That is what Paul says here, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That is not what a Christian should live like, but to, uh, a life of duplicity, a double standard. Well, she's an adult, an adult now. You don't have that young little girl who observed all of those things. It never, it never left her. It never left her. It made a deep impression upon her heart and upon her mind and upon her thinking. And when she turned 18, you know what she did? This young girl of 18, she said, okay, I'm out of the house. I'm gonna go off to junior college somewhere. And she said, I'm never gonna go to church again because all I saw was what she saw, a hypocritical lifestyle. My dad always said all the nice things, pats on the back, everything is so glorious on the outside. But I knew it was like in the car, on the way to church and coming home from church, I knew it was like in the home. And she just said, you know what? I don't want this, this is not real. And she never went back to church after that. That is a tragic story to me. That's because a man who was a professing Christian, he probably was saved, yet he did not understand, or if he did, he didn't submit himself to the Bible to live as he should. Only let your conversation be according to the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're saved today, if you're saved today, you have a high obligation before God, not before a church. Oh, by the way, those incidences of anger and, and violence and uh, just pure meanness, it was not once in a while. Because every once in a while, we get mad, yes? Now, don't look at me and say, I never get mad. You're a liar. <laughs> we all get mad once in a while, but it's once in a while. Like, at least once a day, that's once in a while. <laughs> but this guy, he got upset, like, every moment it seemed like. It was so predictable, so much a set-in-stone pattern. That's what he was like. It's a tragic story. And Paul says that is not conducive to the way a Christian should live. So, first of all, Philippians 1.27 tells us your conversation, your way of life, should be much better than what it could be. Much better than what it used to be. This is how you should be as a Christian. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not listen to this because then I'll be obligated. No, no, no. Take the spiritual, the figurative ears away from the fingers from the ears and listen to what God is trying to help you with. He wants you to live up to a standard that's in the Bible. Not a religious standard, but a biblical standard. He wants to be what he wants you to be. Now, my standard for you is very low. I'm not hard on you like the Lord is hard on you. Maybe that's one of my faults is I, I, I don't feel comfortable going to where he is going. But I have to live up to it, which means you have to live up to what he says. It's not, well, you're the pastor. You have to live up to that way of living. True. But are you not a Christian? Are you not a Christian? This is for a Christian. Now, don't bail out and say, well, you know, this is not what I bargained for. No, no, no! Don't, don't, don't do that! Don't be, don't be a wimp. Uh, you have to face it eventually, and say to yourself, "I need to just—I don't want to even say man up, but I need to be a man and do what the Bible says. At least try to, instead of just getting defensive. 
You go to church, but I'm not going to go to church. No, 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 no. You be a man yourself. And so he says uh, that you are to live a certain way, and which is according to the gospel. Now, it's funny how the unsaved world, who doesn't like Christianity or like you as a Christian, and will find offense when you even bring up the name of Jesus Christ, they themselves, who object so much to Christianity, expect you to live like a Christian. To me, it's very strange. It's such an oxymoron that they don't like Christians, they don't like the Bible, they don't like Christ, but they want you to live like you're supposed to if they find out you're a Christian. Have you noticed that to be very strange? Yeah, some Christian he is. That guy's a liar. Well, what do you know about being a Christian? Well, I'm not a Christian. Well, what do you know about being a Christian? What what a Christian supposed to be? How are you accusing a Christian of being a liar when you yourself are not a Christian? You read the Bible? No, I don't read that silly book. Well, how do you know what the Bible says about how Christians should live? You see how funny that is? They expect you to live like that, but they don't. But they sure know a lot about how you should be. That's what some people are like. Well, regardless of how they think, how God wants us to live is what we focus on. Okay? We don't do it because we're afraid of what people think about us. We do the right thing, live the right way, because it is there for us as an expectation from God. And if you take it any other way, you're going to just give up on this. You're going to say, well, it's not for me. I don't mean told what to do. You know, some people don't like to be told what to do. You might be one of them. I don't like to be told what to do. How's that for a confession? I don't like to be told what to do by my wife. So she's learned to throw hints. And it's not an order. It's like my idea now. <laughs> she's smart. But I know my own heart. I know what I don't like. But I also know how I should be. And that's the struggle that you may have. You might be quite normal. But don't just do good. Do better. Do better. Conform to what the Bible says. Conform. Do better. Now, let's keep going. When we talk about, when Paul talks about how a Christian ought to live, let me give you some more detail. Come to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. A couple of long passages here. Titus chapter 1. We've learned so far that your conversation is how you live, your way of life. Quote, your lifestyle. Now, in Titus chapter 1, you have a high expectation on Christians. Paul writes to Titus, and in verse number 5, he has left Titus on an island. Look at verse 5. <coughs> For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. Now, there's a problem with the churches on Crete. So Paul says, I, need, I think you need to stay there, Titus. I think you need to find men that are qualified to take the role of pastor. It's going to take some time. Now, that's what it's there for. Some things are out of order. Let's get things in order, Titus. I trust you to be there to do this important work of appointing elders or pastors in this church. Look at verse number 6. He gives you a list of things that are qualifications for the men that you're supposed to appoint as elders. Verse 6. If any be blameless. What? What? What man is blameless? He didn't say sinless. 
but blameless of accusation that sticks. Yeah, that guy's a real creep. No, what do you mean? You gonna? Uh, I can't prove it, but I know that he is. No, that's just that's just talk. Be, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly. Seven, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding, a fa holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may, and stop there. What you find in verse 5, 6, and 7, and 8, is you have a man who is about to be appointed to the pastor's role, but not just any old guy, not because he's tall like King Saul or Saul before he became king, not because he's got broad church, not because he's good looking, not because he looks like some rock star or some Hollywood star or because he, he's the ideal figure of a man, how a man's supposed to be according to whoever's standard, not because of that, but because he's got these qualities in him. What you're learning so far is that for a man to be a pastor, he must fulfills certain obligations, certain certain qualifications. There are a lot of talented people that are not fit to be in a pastorate. There are many talented and, and um, charismatic people that you say, well, he'd make a great pastor. Yeah, but if he doesn't meet the qualifications, he shouldn't be a pastor. And so he says this, as far as uh, the conversation of this man, his lifestyle, these are some of the qualifications. So the pastor has a high obligation fulfilled. You understand that part? You, you do see that, don't you? So you are right to say, well, you ought to live like that because that is true. But let's keep reading. You're not off the hook yet. <laughs> keep reading. Come down to verse uh, chapter 2, verse number 1. He says other things in chapter 1, but let's go to verse chapter 2, verse number 1. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That's for the pastor. That the aged men, aged men, see, be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women, likewise. That means women over 40. Men over 40. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers. Not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober. To love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, verse 7, look at verse 7. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And then it talks about servants, verse 9. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Verse 10, not purloining, not stealing, not purloining, but showing all good, not stealing from your employer, but that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Now, verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world. Verse 15, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man is. Now, what do you have in these verses here? You have a list of verses 
You have a list of things about what God expects of how people should live as Christians. A lot of things that you don't do because you're Christians. Sometimes this world just gets to us and the world makes us think that because you're a Christian doesn't mean you can't have fun. Now, the Bible's not against fun. The Bible's not against you enjoying things. The Bible says that God gives us all things in this world richly to enjoy. But don't you think those things are good things to enjoy? Don't you think he gives us things for us to enjoy that are not wrong with no guilt attached to it? Yeah, sure. But these things here, this list of behaviors and do's and do, do nots, this is about what God expects for those who are living the life of a Christian. Their conversation is becoming the gospel of Christ. So this is why I say that whatever the pastor was like, okay, drop it, forget it. Today is today. It's a new year. You got a fresh start to try again to pick up again. You know, in 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 uh, sports, in races, relay races, you have a thing called a baton. And if you're running at 440, um, the mile relay, each person runs a quarter of a mile. There's four runners and several teams, and they run around. One player, one runner runs. And he's got three more teammates. His job is to hand the baton to the teammate number two. Teammate number two hands baton to teammate number three, and three to number four, and four runs and as fast as he or she can across the finish line. Four runners in a mile relay. This is really exciting. This is really hard. Each runner has a, a role to do. On your mark, set, go, you take off, you get one baton, not four, one baton, and you run. As you come close to your teammate number two, she's, he sees you and she begins to get his start, and you hand that baton to her or him, and she takes it, she takes up and passes on to number three and to number four. They're all working together as a team to win and get to the finish line first. Now, you have to do things the right way. You have to do things according to the rules of that sport. You cannot just do whatever you want to do. You cannot just step on the, on the chalk line. You're disqualified if you do. There's people watching around that that course to see if your foot touches just by a fraction and kicks up the chalk. You're disqualified if you come in first. And so it doesn't matter how they run their race. It doesn't matter how we run our race as Christians. We have to do things the right way in how we live. This is the expectation on pastors and on his people. And so in Titus chapter 3, look at one more verse here. Titus chapter 3. This is almost like a summary verse. Verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So you have this emphasis on doing good, serving, doing good works, because this is just a part, it's just a part of being a Christian. You live a certain way. You live up to a certain standard because you are a Christian. Now, if you don't feel like you can live up to a certain standard according to the Bible, I don't know what to tell you. I can tell you, well, you know, do what you want to do because really it comes down to that. You and I will do what we want to do. You and I will live a life according to how we want to live our lives. Nobody can tell you or nobody can tell me really what to do. Don't you and I resist people telling us what to do? Don't you resist that thing they're pointing at you by anybody? Don't you get upset with the employer who says, look, come here, I want to talk to you. You do, 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 do. Don't you just love that finger wagging at your face like that? Don't you just hate that? And don't you tell yourself, 
uh, this is a bad management. It could be bad management. It could be bad whatever. But you you, you feel you feel like oh, I, I don't want this. You'd rather be rebuked gently, which is understandable. You'd rather be rebuked and coached and taught so that you can fulfill an expectation. You don't want someone bearing down hard on you. And I don't think Paul is bearing down hard on anybody. He's just telling you the truth. And so we should live up to the expectation of what the Bible says about how we live as Christians. Whatever the past, okay, now today's today. We need to live up to the new standard that we have not rediscovered but reread and we now see again in a in a in a way in which we have a chance for for us to do this as a church and as individuals and so the argument is a lot of times well that's just what your opinion is about how we should live actually it's not it's not a personal opinion it's just what the bible says argument is like this well um uh, i'm just what i am i'll do what i want no, no, no. Forget you, Popeye. It's about time that you learn to do what you're supposed to do. Start slowly, yes. Step at a time, yes. But get on the right road. I have a good saying. It's not mine, I don't think. But for decades now, I've, I've thought about this statement. The right road leads to the right place, which is very true. So you step on the right road, what the Bible says, and you begin to walk in that way, you get to where you need to be. Good, better, and best. You you please God more each day as you get on the right road stay in the right road and try to fulfill what God says so it is hard it's not magic well the Lord Lord please give me the desire okay he might answer that kind of a prayer but he'll say to you okay I've heard your prayer I've heard your request uh, I've seen your desire to want to live better for me but now it's up to you to do it wouldn't that be true that'll be true and that'd be where it fails for you because you don't try Sorry, you fail, and in a month's time, you'll really not enjoy it because you have not given the effort that is required for you to be the kind of Christian you should be. Okay? Nobody's fault but your own. You know what it says. Will you do what it says? Will you try to? Will you try to do what it says? That part is up to you. He says then, in Philippians 1 27 that whether I come and see you or else be absent I may hear of your affairs whoa oh 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 hear of your affairs you know what Paul is saying here Paul is saying people talk people report to me how so-and-so is doing sometimes in Paul's epistles he's wondering how is so so I wonder how so-and-so is doing this city I remember when he first got saved there was growing so much and now I wonder how they're doing now and there's word coming back, oh, you know, so-and-so is doing so good, so-and-so is doing so good, so-and-so is not doing so good. He hears the reports. He would like to hear the reports of people who are Christians um, doing well. It's hard to avoid this. Hard to avoid people saying so-and-so is doing good or not doing good. It's just the way life is. Now, you want to avoid gossip for sure, but, and, and sometimes... Uh, this morning on the way to church my wife says uh, one of her friends in church unnamed not at church I don't even know because she didn't say she says pray for my friends the problem that they're going through is harder than expected but she didn't give I, and I asked who is it my wife says well she didn't say and then I thought okay well she didn't say that means it's not public knowledge and so she said uh, Emily did not say who it was 
in church, out of church. She didn't say anything. She's just one of my friends. So she left it generically on purpose so that there's no gossip, which is a good thing. Because I was like, who was it? Do I know this person? Been there so many times. Do I know that person? Really? It was that person? No, my daughter wanted to avoid that kind of talk. So she just left it generic. She just said, you pray to God, God knows the name of the person that we're talking about, which is very true. So ladies and gentlemen, yet people know all the things that's going on. Just be careful not to be gossipy, calling, getting the phone in and getting text messages. Did you know so-and-so? You don't want to do that kind of stuff. You don't send a text me. Don't get on Facebook. Don't ever do that and say, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so is getting a dip. No, you don't say that. That is just foolish and wrong to get that, get that kind of talking like that. Take it to God in prayer and leave it there. Don't be the investigative reporter that's got the scoop on everybody else. You don't need to do that. I'm here for your affairs. And then it says that you stand fast in one spirit. So know the truth, have a little bit of courage and guts and dare, dare about you, and then do what you should do, live for Christ. Step out, out of your comfort zone, and try to do what you ought to do. Normally as a Christian anyway. Our comfort zone is very popular because that's our comfort zone. We need to step out of that sometimes, do something that's a little bit difficult for you to do normally. Um, you know, I don't like to talk to people. <laughs> kind of hilarious, right? I don't like being around people most of the time. I like to be by myself. Driving in the car, I like to be by myself. At home, I like to be by myself. That's my personality. But I've had to step out of my comfort zone because God called me to do something. I was forced, I was pushed to get out of my comfort zone, to do something I was not used to doing, something I found difficult to do, but I find that if I do the right thing, God will help me. It's kind of like Moses. Remember Moses? It's kind of like Moses, but of course, he was much greater than anybody else, but Moses had his excuses. And then finally Moses says, who made your mouth? <laughs> well, that's some of that problem, that argument. If you're going to do the right thing for Jesus Christ, don't you think he'll help you do the right thing? If you want to aspire to do the things of Titus and of what Timothy, what he told Timothy, don't you think he'll give you the strength to do that too like he helped Moses? Sure he would. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your own skill and strength. Trust God to help you do what your desire is, which is a good desire. Now look, some of you folks have never tried anything different your whole, your whole life as a Christian. You've just been there happy in your little bubble you've not done anything daring in your life as a christian that you know you should do you've just not done it i think it's about time you start to do something that you should do in this list and maybe more that's a good christian thing to do that you find hard to do make yourself do it and you find out that god's right with you to help you you know there's a verse in Philippians chapter 3 or 4 where it says he's not finished working on you. He's still working on you. He which has begun a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ. So you're still a work in progress. I am too. After all of these years of being a Christian, I am not a finished artwork yet. I'm just still in the sketching stage maybe. I don't know. But when you think about artwork and the process of it, there's layers and steps and uh, it all is important. 
before you get to the finished artwork. And when people go, oh, wow, that is so beautiful. I was looking at some pictures, some paintings with uh, Joseph and Samuel because um, they like art. And so I showed them some ultra-realism paintings, hyper-realism, where a banana looks like a banana, you can eat it. Where something looks so real, a, a can of Coke looks just like aluminum, the lettering, the, the reflection, the bend, the, looks just like it. I mean, if you didn't know, this was the real thing, but it's not. The human eye, eight feet by 10 feet, looks just like a human eye, painted by somebody. Sammy wants to get there without going through the process. But he's going through the process, and when he does go through the process, he will get there. Good, better, he'll get there. If he just takes the process a step at a time. You get to be the kind of Christian you need to be, and you want to be, if you just go day at a time, step at a time, step out, and do what you ought to do as a Christian. Don't let what you never tried before hold you back from trying what you should try. Have a little guts. Have a little daring in you. That on uh, was it Christmas? Yeah, Christmas Day. The two I told I told the two boys before Marianne went on a trip. I said, before Grandma comes home, we'll go down to the Kailua Marsh or Swamp. We'll ride along the bike path. It's two miles. Well, nothing happened until the day before she came back. Grandpa, here's what the kids do to me. They irritate me. Grandpa, you said, I hate when they say you said. Grandpa, you said you would take us on the back ride at Kylo Marsh before Grandma comes home. She's coming up tomorrow, which means you got to go today. Okay, I'm stuck. I'm trapped. I got no way out. I'm back in the corner. They got me. Dead to rights. I can't get out of it. Well, you know, we had a lot of wind the other week and rain. Okay, we had to go and do that. And the, the bike, you know, kind of like that. And I wasn't feeling comfortable going out there. And then I, I parked my car in a little parking lot, and I got backed up in the little car, hit me in the back, hit my car in the back. And the guy comes up, and I, when the car, when he hit my car, I thought, okay, see, this is a bad sign here. <laughs> the guy comes out and say, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't see your car. And I thought to myself, how could you not see my car? <laughs> and I'm, I'm, it's a van. It's not a little uh, three-long car, you know, one of these uh, Mini Cooper kind of cars. And I'm thinking to myself, if my kids were not here, I'd rail on this guy. But I had to be calm because someone's watching me, right? Yeah. I gotta practice what I preach. And so I hear, I'm in the car, I'm just getting out my door and I'm going like that. I look around, this guy comes up, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't see you. And I said, I looked at my car, I said, that's okay, it's only a minor thing. He says, can I give you something? I thought, yeah, $1,000. <laughs> you know what he offered me? Bottle of water. <laughs> I said, thanks a lot, pal. Hey, you want a bottle of water? I'll give you two. I'll give you two. So I took two bottles of water from him. <laughs> nice guy. Her friends must have been Chinese. Yeah, yeah. But he was nice Japanese. So, so on this bike, I did something I didn't want to do. And I was glad that I did. They were so happy. They were so happy that Grandpa kept his word. Now, small thing, little thing. But it is a reflection about how we should do some things we should do. Even if we're not too, not too comfortable with these things. I'm not done, but I'm almost done. He says, stand fast in one spirit, know the truth, have courage to do what you should do, and um, don't, don't waver. Be sincere. What if a guy proposed to you, and he says, will you marry me? And she says, oh, you're proposing to me. Yes, will you marry me? She says, do you love me? You, you say to this girl, I love you. Oh, yes, I do. And she says, a silly question, how much do you love me? You know what she wants to hear? 
She wants to hear the words that makes you feel good. She wants to hear the words like this. I love you more than anything else in this world. That's what she wants to hear. She also wants to hear, I love you with all of my heart. That's what she wants to hear. And here's what you say in honesty. Um, I love you with 80% of my heart. <laughs> and she's going to say, no. He's got the ring there. But you're going to say no because 80%. No, you want the total affection. You don't want 80%. You know what the Lord wants from us? What's the percentage? You tell me the percentage. What is the percentage he wants from you, the Christian? 80%? I think you say you can't serve God and mammon. What does he want percentage-wise from you of your heart? You say, but if I give him 100% of my heart, all of my heart, I can't love my wife, I can't love my husband. You know, you're not really thinking this through. There is an appropriateness to love your wife and your husband and your kids and everybody else appropriately. You know, um, someone someone texted me Friday because I said, see you Sunday. And the person responded, I'll be there, see you then. Well, that's today. And then the day after she says, he said, oh, shoot, I forgot. I forgot. My grandma had ordered dim sum for a 10 o'clock morning thing. Now, what am I going to think? Think with me. How do you respond? I want to teach you something about how you should respond and not go all hyper. He had just told me, I'll be there. And then he said, oh, I forgot that grandma had planned this. You know what I responded with? Uh, Parents, hand my, my phone, please. Let me show it to you. I want you to know I'm just making up a story. I'm telling the truth. I'm glad you didn't throw it to me. <laughs> I want you to see this, all right? Here it is from Thursday. Listen to this. Ho, 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 me. I'll see you Christmas morning. Yes, sir, I'll see you tomorrow, Pastor. And then he says, so sorry. Mom asked me to be home and watch the nieces open presents this morning. I have relatives coming to. I promise I'll be there next week, which is today. Okay? Here's what I answered to that one. Okay. Thanks. Merry Christmas. No rebuke. No scolding, right? Here's then on, on uh, Thursday. He says, Pastor Kim, darn. Don't want to make, like, I'm making excuses, but I didn't realize Mom planned a morning dim sum for Granny's birthday on Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Just want to let you know ahead of time. As I, here's my response right there. Oh, I see. Hey, it's good to honor Granny. Then we'll see you the next Sunday. I'm glad you want to come. I appreciate the heads up. Happy New Year. That's my response to him right there. Uh, then he says, Happy New Year, Pastor. Yes, I need God back in my life. Now, this stuff here is not to, to pound you into the ground and make you do something that gets your will. Although somewhat it is. God is... Gracious to understand situations. Yeah. You understand? This is not about obeying the Ten Commandments. This is not about rules, rules, rules that you must comply with. It's not about that. It's about a relationship with God yeah. that you try to live up to, to please Him. If you're struggling with these kind of things, you might have a wrong mentality about what this is about. My response to Him is not to brag about how I respond, but to let you know this is how it is. 
people are people and you want them to do better than good and if they're trying you want to encourage them to do better had I scolded him had I exercised pastoral authority so called on him I could have just simply in his thinking stepped on him and any enthusiasm he had to do better I could have just really cut that out of him by making him feel like I'm just a mean old toad I'm old but not a mean toad okay <laughs> but I didn't want him to think that I wanted to get the idea that God is expecting something from us but God is gracious he's understanding he knows about dust he is not gonna bear down us on our heart as if we don't we're not trying you can tell from this text he's trying he is trying I'm gonna work with the man who's trying is people just don't care that's another that's another case all right so that's what that's about and then uh, oh uh, you know I'm gonna have to stop here because with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel I want you know what I have to stop over here but I'm kind of tormenting too right now you're sitting here your chair's getting hard on you you're looking at me like hurry 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 I should do this not care that you are telling me hurry 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 by your eyes or by your gesture by your posture or just go ahead and tell you and have you grin and bear it I have a decision to make I'm gonna tell you stand fast in one spirit to me this Philippians 1 27 theme for January is about the church working together meaning individuals families working together for, for the glory of God in old Roman days Roman soldiers they had of course their armor they also had their shield their shield is made out of, made out of uh, wood sometimes covered with leather or maybe um, it's soaked with water so that when fiery darts hit it it kind of goes out kind of thing that's the idea but then if they were to approach uh, the enemy uh, as a unit they would they would hold their shields together very tight to each other almost overlapping in a line and then behind them and they would walk they'd go toward the enemy close shields closely like this so that it would no no arrow could get through the cracks if it was like that they would butt like this together maybe overlap and they would come as one long unit of shields one long piece they would come up for protection go up like that and they walk up like that and they conquer the enemy you know that it's about that's about unity that's about working together striving together it's about the church working together putting our shields together real tight so that the fire darts of the devil cannot get through and hurt us or hurt you there is so much there's so much that we have been there's so much uh, I guess the word is hurt or wounds 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 from darts arrows so much so many wounds that we have we've have, we've caught they're not life-threatening but they, they're wounds nevertheless in the shoulder flesh wounds and maybe on the ankle you know and it hurt it slows us up it keeps us from progressing as a Christian so take that image in your head and think of the church as a church trying to help us together to go together for for Jesus Christ's glory and whether it be family issues your husband wife issues or children issues or other spiritual issues uh, the, the idea of going together is what I want you to see going together 
being tight so that the darts cannot get through, putting on the helmet so that you don't get hit in the head, and, you, and everything else that the armor um, uh, conveys as far as our protection. So that's where I'm going to go for January. I hope you can come along with me. And I want you to know God reaches out. He began a good work in you. He wants to continue. He works within you. And he works patiently with you. So three things I want to leave you with is from Philippians. God reaches out to you. He works in you. And he works patiently in you. Now that encourages me. After all these long years I've been a Christian, I still feel like I'm hopeful that God is not done with me yet. Some of you people have been saved for such, such a short time. You are so frustrated with yourself and with other people that you just want to just walk off the plank. You know what you ought to do? Remember God. Remember God. Amen. He began a good work in you. He saved you. He's growing you. He's working in you patiently. And He's not going to give up on you just because you feel like you want to about yourself. Last one. May I? Amen. When I was at school in Tennessee, there's another art student. Her name was um, um, Nancy Zubar. I remember Nancy Zubar, a brunette. Very pretty. Nancy Zubar was taking art classes with me. We took three art classes. And uh, I asked her at the end of the second, toward the end of the second semester, I said, uh, so what's up, Nancy? What's the plans for next year? I mean, what's the plan for something? Oh, I'm going to go home. Uh, maybe get a part-time job and uh, I might come back. I said, you might come back? Does that mean you may not come back? I don't know. She said this. She said this. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. She worked. Part-time job, full-time student, carrying a big load. I'm so tired. So because of her being tired, she said, I'm not sure if I want to come back next semester in the fall. I said, oh, that'd be too bad. And she did come back. But for the moment, she said, I don't know if I'm going to come back because she was tired. Sometimes the Christian feels like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do what the Bible says because I'm so discouraged. I'm so tired. I'm so beat up. I'm such a failure. I can never, I can never achieve what the Bible says I should become. I can and then we say to ourselves, I don't know if I can do this. Elijah, where did, what happened to him after the great victory at Mount Carmel against those 800 prophets of Baal? Where did he go? Under a juniper tree, and he was so discouraged. He was afraid to, to see um, that wicked woman, Ahab's wife, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, sorry, um, um, Hillary. No, 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 uh, no. It was... Um, Maxine. No, not Maxine. Um, it was um, Ahab's wife, Jezebel. He was terrified of her. He was terrified of her. A great man was terrified of a woman. He was just emotionally beat up. And we need to just remember that's a feeling. Real? Yeah, okay. Get some sleep, get some rest, take some time off. Eat some food, eat some good food. Eat some good food. Take some time off. Do something you like to do. Enjoy something. Hit a golf ball. Break a golf ball. Step on a golf ball. Do something that you enjoy. Relax a little bit. And get yourself in a good frame of mind. 
you might find yourself looking at your day a little bit differently. It's just funny how that works out. You know, the man's discouraged, a woman's discouraged. You know what they need? What do you think they need when the guy's feeling down? You ever, you ever felt really bad, like it's hopeless kind of thing? If you're never happy, you missed out on the blessing because you have not really gotten hold of the real Christian life. You have missed it. When someone's feeling really bad, we speak from experience. When wife is really bad sometimes, you know what she wants from me? Secret. You know what she wants from me? When she's really feeling like, you don't, listen, you don't know how many times she's just said to herself, she just sat in her chair like this and then she just started to cry. And say, What's going on? You don't know how many times she's gone through that. Some of it is age, some of it is women kind of issues, some of it is um, the way things are viewed. You know, but she goes through stuff like that. You don't know because you never see that part of her. You know what she wants from me? She just wants me to listen to her. Now to me that's like, why? How's that doing any good? She doesn't listen to her. And she'll say to me, now just listen to me. Don't say anything. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> After four to five years, you should know what I'm gonna say. Just listen to me. Just listen to me. And I'll listen to her. After half an hour, you know what? She feels better. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? That's funny. That's hilarious. And then her day picks up. She's feeling good again. Don't say to yourself, I can't do it this year. Because you feel like a certain thing. Okay? I'll talk to you about that is all part of this prowler in your neighborhood. This prowler that's casing out your house. That's all connected to what I just said. And how that prowler wants to take something from you. And that prowler tried to take some stuff from my wife, spiritually. But she didn't let that happen. That prowler tried to take things from me. And I almost gave it a lot of time, but I didn't let that happen. And so along the way, God's people has helped me overcome some things. So that's a blessing. I want to help you too. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Bible. Helped us to believe that it is for our good. And what it says for us to be, to do, is very attainable. It's very doable. So I pray that you help us to see that and help our new year to be almost a new start for a recharging, a, a recommittal, a reboot, whatever we call it. I pray that this be a good month for all of us. I pray that you help us, and I believe that you can, and I believe you want to. So strengthen us, we pray, through the month of January. Bless your word to our hearts and to our heads and help us, Father, to get a little bit stronger because of it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.